All right, all right. We've been having a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I can tell that energy is super high. But if you guys can give me like 10 or 15 minutes of your time, I hope I will not make you regret it and you'll learn something, hopefully. Uh, so I'm Isaac. If you've not met me, I go to the high school ministry here. But it seems like y'all have a lot of fun down here as well. So let's go. Uh, we're going to be in 1 John 2, 7 through 17. Uh, it'll be up on the board in a moment. But before we do that, I think we should probably pray before we start. So if you'll bow your heads with me. Uh, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all of these kids uh, here today. Thank you for the adult leaders as well. Uh, it might be their first night or it might be their hundredth night here. It doesn't matter. They're here for a reason and there's something to learn tonight. Thank you for each and every one of them. I hope they're all having a good week and they can continue to do well in school and sports and whatever, whatever else they have going on. Uh, whatever stress uh, they have going on with their friends or their family or whatever else, please just alleviate that for this time and allow us to posture our hearts for you. All right. Amen. That whole other part of prayer. Uh, before we start, I just when I was preparing this lesson throughout this last month or so, uh, a verse stuck out to me a lot in Ephesians, and it's three seventeen through nineteen. I'm going to read it for you guys. It's so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And more or less what this is telling us and what I love so much about it is that if you lean towards God and you try your best to learn about him, he's gonna show you all the love in the world. It's a love that we cannot even begin to comprehend. And that's amazing to me. So before we read these uh, verses, I just wanted to share a little bit of the background as to what's going on uh, in this book and around. That. So obviously John wrote this book based off the name and John was one of the 12 disciples and he was in Jesus' inner circle. So this pretty much means that he was in Jesus' closest group of friends. If you can think about your two or three closest people, that's what John was to Jesus. Uh, he was referred to the disciple whom Jesus loved and Jesus said this to John himself. And how amazing is that, that Jesus can have all these disciples around him at the time at any given time. And he can look at John and he says, you are a disciple whom I love. This gives us like a great insight to how much John cared and saw Jesus in his day to day. So if we can trust anyone to tell us about the light of God's word, I think it can be John because this is a, this is a guy that is just like, he's seen Jesus in like, just the day to day life, which is amazing. So the reason that John wrote this letter is what it is, uh, is towards the end of John's life, Christianity was growing and spreading throughout the area where John was teaching. And it was amazing because obviously new Christians and new believers is what you want to see. However, in this growth, there were some new teachers and young Christians that were not, not necessarily wanting to be bad people, but they did not understand fully what it was to understand the Bible. So false teachings about who Jesus was, was like prevailing to the church. So young believers like you and me were getting a little bit confused as to what was true and what was not. And John, who is an old veteran of the faith, uh, looked at that and he was worried. So like, who here watches basketball? Raise your hand. Basketball. Who's your favorite basketball player? Anyone? Just shout. 
Michael Jordan. All right, all right, that works. So imagine, imagine you're, you're playing basketball. <laughs> imagine you're playing basketball at school or whatever. And after your game, you're done, you're wrapping up, and you get a text or a call. And it is Michael Jordan. And he says, I want to help fix your jumper. I can help give you tips on your game. That's more or less what this book is for us as Christians. This is a guy who is day in, day out, been with Jesus. He's, he's seen Jesus' miracles. He's seen Jesus in his highest and lowest moments. And he's saying, hey, new believers, old believers, whoever, I want to I wanna help give you tips and pointers because we all struggle with the same things. So that's amazing. Even 2,000 years ago, John has an understanding for what me and you go through every day. So now that we've gone through that little bit of background, let's read this together. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. All right, so I'd actually like to begin in the middle section in verses 12 through 14, because as I was reading it, I, I felt that it would be best presented that we could look at this, because I, I think the simple repetition of it sets up John very well for the rest of this verse. So as you glance through that, there's three groups. Who do you guys see? Just shout it out. There's three main groups. All right, children, I heard that, fathers, and young men. All right, a good rule of thumb in the Bible is if you see something said twice, you might want to pay attention to it because usually that means there's something to learn from it. So when John, John is opening up and he's explaining, to, in this letter, he's saying, I'm writing to you, little children. I'm writing to you, fathers, and I'm writing to you, young men. So this kind of has a double meaning because... In one sense, he means exactly who he's saying. He's talking to the young children. He's talking to the fathers. He's talking to the young men. He's just talking to the church. But in a more metaphorical sense, what he's saying is, he's saying, I'm writing to you young Christians, new Christians. Who in here has not been a Christian for more than a couple of years? It's okay. I, I honestly, I've not committed my life to God, but within the last two years, honestly. It's okay to be a young Christian. I understand that sometimes when you're in church, you feel like everyone around you has been, been in it a long time and they understand more than you and they might be able to quote more verses than you. But that's okay because you all, God's mercy and salvation does not come in degrees. When, he, when John says little children and fathers and young men, 
He does not say one is greater than the other. Our God loves one more than the other. Because in God's eyes, we're all his own little children in that sense. And that's amazing. The second group he talks about is the fathers. Who in here has a dad? I hope everyone raises their hand. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, there's dads in the church. All right, guys. So take it down, take it down. Obviously, there's fathers in church, and there's mothers too. But what John is saying here is fathers is not necessarily just men, but women too, that are well-grounded in the faith. These are, these, are, these are your small group leaders. These are Alan. This is John. These are people that are well-rooted in the faith, that have a good understanding. When you're confused or you're having a hard time in whatever's going on in your spiritual life or your personal life, these are people that John is telling to and God wants you to come and talk to. Because if it is very difficult to be a young Christian like we are without good, strong spiritual mentorship. And I'm super thankful that I have John and Alan and people that I can trust and go to when I am in a time of need. Because the fact of life is you're going to have a low point where you're going to need some help. And John points out the fathers. And the last group that they talk about is the young men. And this is who we should strive to be. Because as okay as it is to be a child of God, and we all are, we have to mature in our faith. Once we take that step to accept Jesus in our lives and commit our lives to him, we need to continue trying to learn more about God, continue trying to apply ourselves to be the best Christians that we can be. That's what the young men are. These are the people that are the front lines day to day, in school, in church, in sports, being like a shining light to others, to bring others into the faith. Because if if we as Christians cannot be shining examples of God's love, then who will be? That's, that's a difficult question we have to ask ourselves every day. So that's, that's the first section. And now we're going to move to verses 7 through 11. And the main idea of this section is God commands us to love our fellow Christians. So he says that it's a little confusing at first because if you see, he says, I'm not writing you guys a new commandment. And then two sentences later, he says, at the same time, it is a new commandment. So more or less what I took this to mean and what a lot of commentary I read is that the idea of loving one another is nothing new. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard that you should love one another. Shout out the, like, what is the golden rule, guys? Let's just shout it out. Exactly. So, so a lot of the time, that's just something that kind of like, you know, you brush it off, whatever. But when I'm going through my day-to-day -day and I'm supposed to treat my neighbor as I want myself to be treated, I'm just tolerant or passive or just don't really care. And just, you know, move through my day. I just focused on me. But what's really the new commandment that John's saying is that as Christians, we're called to have the same love for one another that Jesus had when he was dying on the cross for our sins. I don't know if you guys have anybody in your lives that you'd say you die for. Maybe a few people, your close friends and family. But... What John is calling us to do is be willing to put down, our, put down everything else we want to be doing, whether that be more fun, whether that might get us more popularity, whether that might get us more likes on Instagram or whatever else. He's asking us to lay that down and be willing to suffer for our Christian brothers and sisters because our love for one another as Christian siblings, more or less, it's a beautiful thing. We have a family. Our love for each other is reflective of the love that God has for us. So that's what he's saying is if we, if we hate each other 
And what's difficult is indifference can be hate as well. Just being passive or not really talking to your, to your, like, your friends in Christ is that's, that's being hateful in a way. And God doesn't want that because when I pray, I hope God listens to me. So if you're, if a fellow Christian comes to you with a problem or issue, you should do your best to listen to them to the best of your ability. Um, okay, moving on to the next couple of verses. Uh, there's, a, there's a few things to say. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing to make them stumble. Has anyone ever he- has anyone in here ever been in a cave of any kind? A cave? Yeah. So imagine, imagine you're in that cave. Presumably it had light or you had a flashlight or something. And all of that was taken away from you. Just complete and utter darkness. You can't even see your hand in front of you. That's what happens when we don't live in love with one another. Because we're causing ourselves to stumble, which in turn, those who, who, those who we support and love around us are going to stumble too. Has anyone ever been in a race or any a football or anything and you fall? Are you the only one that falls usually? Are there a few people around you that fall too? Yeah. A few more people around you are going to fall. And that's what happens when we don't allow ourselves to love one another. Is you're not just hurting yourself, even though it might, you might only be thinking about yourself. You're causing others around you to hurt. And we should be careful of other, each other's feelings and spiritual walks. All right, finally, verses 15 through 17, the idea of this is we need to be in the world, but not of it. There's a few things he says that are in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life. And what I really want to focus on is the pride of life because even if you don't consider yourself a particularly proud person, in our daily walks, whether it's in school or sports or whatever, you hold yourself in some kind of esteem. Um, and I'm not saying that having confidence in yourself is necessarily a bad thing, but having, thinking that you have all the answers or even your parents have all the answers for your life is just not true. Because as much as you should listen to authority figures in life, ultimately, the person you have to lean on the hardest is God. And that involves having difficult conversations with yourself and Christian brothers and sisters around you being honest about what you have going on in your life. Because when you fully lean on God, that's when you're going to start really reaping the fruits of what it means to be a Christian. You also have to be careful because a lot of us are in public school or even in private school and stuff goes around us every day that is really not godly. And that's okay because we live in the world and we live in a broken world. And that's the fact of being where we are as humans. Being around it is not necessarily an issue. However, surrounding yourself with it and somewhat involving yourself is where we allow ourselves to get desensitized to sin and things that we're supposed to be disgusted with as Christians. And that's difficult because I was in middle school once and I'm in high school now and I know it's a lot easier just to go, go with the flow and not challenge things that are wrong even if you know it. Because... You don't want to get made fun of. You want to have the friends that you have. And I get that. That is a legitimate concern. And it's not that God does not validate that feel, those feelings. It's that God sees a higher purpose in your life. And if you can take that difficult step to rise above the things around you that I know are wrong, God is going to honor you. Um, you're, you're going to see 
benefits and new relationships in your life that you've never seen or you never thought you could see if you're just willing to take that one difficult step in separating yourself from the world. Um, as a final thought, removing ourselves from like the worldly, it requires a little bit of self-reflection. And you have to consider what your values are of, of the, everything around you. So what is your standard for success? If it's money, that's immediately an issue because the, the path you might be called on, God does not care about your wealth or your status or how many followers you have or anything like that. The final verse says, the world is passing away with all of its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Everything around you that feels so deeply important, and I know it does because I've been in your shoes too, it passes, it's fleeting, it's nothing but dust. It's, it's a difficult fact, but it's somewhat comforting when you can step away from it and realize that honoring God, surrounding yourself with Christian friends, that's, that's what God wants you to do. And whoever does the will of God abides forever. And that's an amazing thing. So that's pretty much what I have for you guys tonight. You guys have been really good and attentive. I appreciate that. It's been a good night. So let's bow our heads and pray one more time. Uh, dear God, thank you for this group. Thank you for the hearts they have. Listening and trying to learn more about you is the first step in abiding in your word. Thank you for all of the talent and the potential and just the vibrancy in this room. You can just feel the energy, and that's amazing. Please help us to surround ourselves with Christians and support each other. Thank you for friendship. Thank you for, thank you for the ability to have relationships with those around us. Um, and thank you, just thank you for being allowed to honor you through studying your word. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.